Welcome to Talk Tennis, a podcast created specifically for you, the tennis fanatic. Join us each week as we work to elevate your game both on and off the court. We will deliver fresh episodes to keep you up to date with tennis trends and technologies, as well as exclusive interviews with industry experts, current and former pros, and so much more. Here's your host, Michelle. Welcome to our podcast, Talk Tennis. I'm your host, Michelle. Before we dive into this week's episode, I wanted to answer some of your tennis questions. So reach out to us at podcast.tennis-warehouse.com with any questions you have. I also wanted to let you guys know we're heading out to Indian Wells very soon. So if you have any questions specifically about BMP Paribas Open or Indian Wells Tennis, we might try to record an episode or two down there. So send those our way also. Now, the first question comes from Tennis with an E on the end, and he asked, what are the top three things that you think are not commonly understood by tennis equipment customers that you think would help them make a more satisfying purchase? Great question. I'm going to try to be concise here, but first things first is we do not make the products. We do not manufacture the products. So we totally understand that certain companies might have more issues with quality control and all of that. But please don't yell at us if you are having an issue and your racket's out of spec. We apologize. We'll we'll figure out a way to make it right, whether it's customizing or finding you a closer matched racket to what you're looking for. But it's not our fault. Now, the second thing that I think is important is please give us a call if you have any question whatsoever on any product that we sell. Now, we really pride ourselves in being tennis geeks, and a lot of us have spent hours on the court trying so many different things, and you're guaranteed to find someone in the building who will know exactly what you're talking about and have the same problem and be able to navigate you to a purchase that will be perfect for you. So give us a call. We love to talk to the customers. We love talking all things tennis, and I guarantee you'll feel more confident making that purchase. Now, the third thing that I would say is everyone has different definitions of what feels good or what they like, whether it's racket stiffness or string stiffness or string tension or any of those things. So a lot of times people think, oh, because so-and-so said a stiff racket is good, then it's going to be good for them. Not true. If you prefer a more traditional feeling racket, you like something super flexible, then you're not going to like a stiff, high RA racket. And even within our playtest team, we all have so many diverse opinions on what we personally like or relate to best, but it's all going to be super individual. So you're not right or wrong. Everyone's allowed to have their own feelings. And if you give us a call, we can help you walk through those things as well. We totally understand some of the hard parts about navigating through all of the different racket options and stiffness ratings and all that. So again, please lean on us. We're here to help you guys make better purchases. Second question comes from Django Tango. Which brand has the best six-month warranty shoe and best consistency with honoring these warranties? There are some great companies out there making really durable shoes right now. And I would say top three would be Asics, Gel Res 8, always tried and true. New Balance, Love, a great shoe, great durability. And then K-Swiss, we really like the Ultra Shot too and think that that's a great option as well. All three of these brands do an amazing job with the warranties on the outsole. 
Also, if you have any issues with six-month outsole warranties, come to us. If you bought your shoe at Tennis Warehouse, we will help you get your outsole guarantee all sorted. No problems. It will be easy and painless. Now, I'm super excited for you guys to listen to today's guest. He has helped me through some nagging injuries, and it's just a different approach of how to handle injuries and soreness and tight muscles and all the things we deal with as tennis players. We were able to answer a bunch of questions that you guys helped ask on the Talk Tennis message board. So let's jump right in. Okay, on today's episode, we're excited to have a massage therapist to help answer all of your questions. I'm welcoming Clay Van Squeak to Talk Tennis. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Clay has been practicing massage therapy for over six years and founded Empower Massage Therapy in San Luis Obispo in 2017 because he had a strong desire to serve and help others. After his massage school, his education continued with orthopedic oncology active release technique, and functional training system certification. So you've learned a lot over the years. And with goals of always being able to provide safe and effective body work for every unique individual out there. He's also super active, enjoys weightlifting, kettlebell training, trail running, and you just mentioned you're training for a Spartan race. I am. Yeah. First one. That's awesome. So you are definitely an athlete. He understands the demands of high performing athletes and the demands of athletes in general. So thanks so much for joining us. Again, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. I wanted to let you guys know how I first met Clay. I actually was at Tennis Warehouse Europe two years ago, and I was filming a video how to slide on clay courts. And I remember in the middle of the video, I slid out and something in my hamstring was not right, like not right at all. And for months, I just kind of like fought through the pain, just muscled through it. And finally, I don't know about how many people out there are familiar with San Luis Obispo, but it's a small town and I have several people that recommended Clay. So I jumped right over and we spent several sessions working on that hamstring. Yeah, we did. (laughs) (laughs) And I personally am not someone that likes traditional Western medicine, as they say. So I'm not usually the person that's like interested in jumping into let's have surgery. And I've actually never had surgery with any of my injuries, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. But so I was looking for an alternative and you popped up and came into my life, thankfully. Awesome. And so, yeah, I wanted you to talk a little bit about your background and how you got into massage therapy. So I used to work a lot with computers and that was a lot more sedentary in my mm-hmm. life. And I, I kind of saw just like a flash forward of what my future might be. And I didn't like what I was seeing. Yeah. I wanted to get a lot more active. I was interested in getting out of my comfort zone quite yeah. a bit, too. Yeah. So uh, with the encouragement of a friend, I I took a tour of the local massage school. Okay. And yeah, I I just kind of fell in love with it. It was really cool. I I had actually never had a massage before going to massage school. Wow. But uh, I I dove in. I'm like, you know what? Even if I don't use it professionally, it's a a cool skill to have. For sure. Yeah. Ever since that day, I mean, I haven't looked back and it's been been my passion. Yeah. Yeah. And if you meet Clay, you can tell you're very passionate about it. And that's something that a lot of people, when you came highly recommended, let me know, like he's always learning and you are, you're always going to conferences. You're always learning. You're continuing to strive. So it's important. And you're an athlete. So you get it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't know if I describe myself <laughs> quite as an athlete, but I do lead an active life. Uh, well, I would say he's an athlete. And <laughs> another thing that I would say is like, when you go to a massage therapist, like you're the kind of person that I want working on me because you are a tall, strong person. Right. Like you're, <laughs> I get that leverage. Yeah, exactly. He's gonna like put it <laughs> put in the work. So um, definitely. Now I wanted Clay to explain what to expect when you set up your first massage therapist appointment, or if you have an injury and you're looking for an alternative way to solve it, and maybe massage therapy is the route you want to try. What can someone expect through that process? Yeah, it'll vary depending on the practitioner. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's a lot of variation among massage therapists. And there's no real like standard of practice, but uh, I can give you kind of what I do. Yeah, I, I do a, a long intake uh, history. I kind of like to get an idea for that person's life, their work life, yeah. what their activities are. And from there, depending on what's going on, if they have maybe an injury, I might do a little bit of a movement assessment and just kind of see how each segment of the body is moving. Okay. And uh, we get into the session. Normally, I have people, you know, this is an uncomfortable part for some. Yeah. You know, undressing and yeah. getting on the table, especially yeah. if it's your first time. Yeah. Usually it's athletic wear with me, but, um, you know, depending on the goal, if it's more relaxing, yeah. we might go a little bit further. And it's just uh, to their level of comfort. Right. So, yeah, it really depends on what the goal is for the massage. Okay. But, yeah, usually my first session with someone will be anywhere from an hour, 15 to an hour and a half. Yeah. 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 I love that because the first time we met, you really took time to understand what was bothering me. And because of the hamstring, then my knee was kind of hurt. It was just kind of like a lot of things. Yeah. And you really uh, took time to understand what was actually bothering me. And then also talk about the level of pain, too, because I know that I think is important. Yes. Yeah. And we'll probably get into that a lot, okay. I think. But it's really important to realize that it needs to be comfortable. Yeah. Like any change that's happening in the body, it's because our nervous system and our brain's allowing it and not because I'm forcing change in mm -hmm. the tissue. Yeah. There is a study that says it takes over a thousand pounds of pressure to make even a 1% change wow. in tissue structure. That's and we're not going to reach that yeah. during massage <laughs> like ever. Yeah. So the key is the nervous system and just making sure that you're comfortable on the table. Okay. I like to ride that line yeah. of like maybe a six or a seven yeah. out of 10 on the pain scale. Because any more than that, it just seems counterproductive. Mm -hmm. You're going to tense up on the table. It's going to be not great. Yeah. Some people have trouble communicating that with me and they'll just kind of, you know, you can bear feel it. it. Yeah, you can feel <laughs> it, though. They kind of tense up around it. But yeah. yeah, you do want it to be comfortable. And usually that line between like just right and maybe a little too much is good. Okay. Yeah. And I know my hardest part is always remembering to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, breathing is important. Yeah. Because, you know, that panicked breath yeah. that we get when we're in pain. Yeah. Uh, it can actually drive more tension, more pain. If you want your nervous system, your body to relax, you want deep, calm breaths, yes. like yoga breaths. Yes, like yeah. yoga. Yes. Okay, well, let's jump into some of the questions that you guys generated for us from Talk Tennis on the message board. The first one comes from Alex H22, and he simply asks, how do you recover from injury? Many people around me have hand, elbow, shoulder, or foot injuries, and it usually takes a long time to heal. It also prevents people from recovering from exercise. What is your take? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say that there's a difference between an injury that just happened and one that's kind of lingering. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, with a sudden injury, the traditional uh, advice was rice, yeah. you know, rest, yeah. ice, compression, mm-hmm. and elevate. And the sports doctor actually came up with that doesn't actually recommend at least the first half anymore. Oh, really? Like rest and ice. Yeah. He says there's actually studies that show this, that prolonged rest and ice can actually slow and delay okay. the recovery process. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. Because you get stuck in the injury, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's tough because what, what ends up happening is we, maybe we immobilize the area, we mm-hmm. stop moving, and then we flood our system with anti-inflammatories mm-hmm. to kill the pain. Yeah. And all those things, uh, that's kind of how our body naturally heals. Okay. And our body's really great at healing yeah. if we let it. Yeah. So that's the difference. There's the sudden injury. And then there's the one that kind of is nagging and lingering. Yeah. It sounds like this is what that yeah. person is talking about. So after a while, tissue does heal. And from there, it becomes less about the injury and more about sensitivity if we still have pain. Okay. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, that sadly <laughs> makes a lot of sense. I feel like I'm guilty of this. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a poor correlation between pain and tissue damage. Okay. So you can have one without the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have lots of pain and no damage or no pain and quite a bit of damage. Yeah. We've, we've seen that a lot too. That makes sense. So if it's nagging and continuing, it is definitely more about kind of lowering our sensitivity. Okay. Our pain is kind of meant to protect us. Right. So if our brain feels a need to preserve us and protect us, it's going to produce that pain. Mm -hmm. And it gets better and better at producing pain, especially in a certain area we felt it before. Okay. If it's taking a long time to heal, it's likely to be a nervous system sensitivity issue rather than an accurate reflection of like what's actually going on under the skin. Okay. And we know that sensitivity can be ramped up by various factors. And the things like general life stress, yeah. anxiety, social isolation can do it. Bad relationships, depression, potentially our diet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And especially like lack of sleep. <laughs> yeah. So our, our brain takes all this stuff into account and can ramp up threat. So it's a good idea to address this like in a more holistic way. Okay. Like all pain and injury. Right. As, as you probably know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So what would you suggest? Let's just say someone has a nagging, maybe an ankle injury and they're a tennis player. So they don't want to not play tennis. Yeah. But it's been bothering them. What yep. should they do? So after potentially the healing process is completed, mm-hmm. what we want to do is decrease sensitivity in that, that tissue. Mm-hmm. And ways to do that, variety of movements were really good. So a lot of times we can get stuck in kind of the same movement patterns and it drives a lot of tension and that's a big threat to our brain. Totally. So variety of movement is great, especially if we have those like aches, pains and injuries that are driven by that kind of pattern overload. Totally. And also a variety of movement, like say strength training Mm -hmm. for the ankle is really good because it'll build a more robust system and more resilient tissue. Yeah, that's something I'm guilty of, too, is I know even just the little like band exercises and rehab and stuff like that. It's the easiest thing to be like, oh, no, I don't have time for that today. It doesn't take that long to just really work on keeping those muscles fluid and moving into working on the flexibility and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And the way I kind of see massage play into this is we can lower the sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And so if I have someone who comes in with an ankle issue, uh, I typically will work on the ankle Mm -hmm. and then we will encourage movement directly after that. Okay. So hopefully they can kind of move that ankle in the new variety of ways with less pain. Makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Next question. This was an interesting one. One One-handed backhand asks, how about rolling with something harder, like a chunk of PVC pipe, (laughs) a section of bamboo tree, or a 45-pound bar at the gym? Is this okay, or is this something that I should stick with a soft foam roller? That's another good question. Yeah. 
I have a lot of like hardcore athletes that yeah. come in to see me and they talk about like using kettlebell handles. I was going to say, I know, the kettlebell like, into the hip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so again, we kind of have to think about the goal mm-hmm. of the foam rolling. Like I said before, it takes over a thousand pounds of pressure right. to make a 1% change in tissue. And we're not going to do that. We wouldn't want to do that right. with like a heavy bar or yeah. like a, you know whatever the hard implement is. So the goal becomes convincing our nervous system to let go. Okay. And I think of relaxation and foam rolling as a skill. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to breathe into it and relax into it. Okay. Uh, softer implements, I think you can get the same job done and maybe even better. Yeah. yeah. It seems like like with the kettlebells and stuff, it's more of the like pain is good kind of yeah, vibe. Yeah. Like just breathe through Harder's it. better. Yeah. And it's, yeah, not necessarily the case. So maybe just a nice relaxing 10 minute foam roll session, working on your breathing and moving yeah. it around. Yeah. Cool. Next question from Nostradamus. He says, I have lower back problems that's caused by muscle spasms with very mild arthritis. My doctor said it's mainly muscle spasm issues down there, especially when I'm tired. I got some lower back massage in the past and it seemed to help some, but I have to get massage every other day for it to be effective. This is very expensive. Do you have anything I can do at home to release the back spasms? Yeah. You know, this is something that I think massage therapists see a lot. Mm -hmm. We call it parking lot syndrome. Okay. And basically you get the treatment, you feel great. You get out to the parking lot to your car and and it's back already. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's unfortunate, but there are some definitely some strategies that might help this person. Okay. And again, you know, I'm not a medical doctor. I can't diagnose. So if you do have pain or injury, definitely see a professional. Uh, I just want to do a little disclaimer. Yes, we can say that at the beginning of the episode. We are not doctors. (laughs) But yeah, so strategies to help uh, is is to kind of look at other variables that might be at play. Okay. Typically in these issues, I like to check off the big boxes. Those might include sleep, Mm -hmm. uh, nutrition, and movement. Okay. I have clients who come to see me and they're, you know, they're working seven days a week and they want that massage, like quick fix. Yeah. And they're not getting enough rest. And, you know, it's not really going to be addressed until they address that, that issue. I think that we're built to work hard, but we're also made to have a Sabbath, you know, (laughs) and like some time of rest to recover. Nutritional deficiencies can be a big issue when it comes to uh, spasms. Okay. So I actually have a friend who had some pretty painful chronic spasming. Okay. Would see, you know, every practitioner, massage therapist, whatever it was, not getting any relief. And it wasn't until they got uh, tested that they found out they had a vitamin D deficiency. Okay. And once they began to address that, Mm -hmm. it got a lot better. So again, as a massage therapist, I have to realize massage isn't always the answer. It's not going to fix everything. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And this might not be this person's particular problem, but it's just something to think about. And the other one that, I mean, this makes me think about uh, what we call stability endurance. Okay. So our core stabilizers have to be turned on to stabilize us. And we actually need to build that endurance, especially of the back. So strength and conditioning coach, a PT could probably do a lot of good. Yeah. Just just build that endurance of the core. Okay. I know. Everyone's always talking about the core. And I feel like I've been working on my core forever. (laughs) But I know it's still like such a weak part of my body. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Keep working on it. Okay. So again, I want to say that everyone's different. Yeah. And all these solutions, it may work for some, may not work for others. But all that to say, I think there's just a lot that we need to look at in these cases. So this person does get some help from massage. 
it might be worthwhile to take a tennis ball or a foam roller at mm-hmm. night and roll out because yeah. it's a lot cheaper than getting a massage. Yeah. But yeah, I, I say until you start to look at sort of other factors, it might continue. Now, we've been talking a little bit about nutrition and diet. Is there anything right now that you're seeing is working really well for a majority of people or is it very individual? Uh, it's it's so individual. Yeah. There's no like general rule about I mean, this. Yeah. It's, I it's mean, tough. Personally, I keep hearing, I don't like it, but the keto diet keeps coming up and it seems like there's some science behind it. Mm-hmm. I'm not even well-versed on it. That's not my vibe. So right. I'm not going that way. But I've also started more plant-based and I know that also seems to be a positive thing for a lot of endurance athletes. And it seems like we're kind of getting over those myths of not uh, not getting enough protein and there's actually enough protein that we totally. are consuming. But um, yeah, so nothing in particular that you've been yeah, seeing. You know, I experiment. I love yeah, experimenting. Same. Uh, and I think a lot of these things do help me, but probably because they're more of an elimination diet than yeah. anything else. I think it's taking out a lot of the things that I'm sensitive to. Totally. Makes sense. Yeah. But so, I, I yeah. like to do it cyclically. Like I'll, I'll try to keto actually, for a little yeah. bit, maybe for a couple of weeks, a month and then switch back off it. Yeah. Yeah. So the best thing you can do is just continue to learn what makes your body tick. Yeah. And it's all experimentation. It's, yeah, exactly. it's a journey. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> a journey for sure. Okay, next question from Quadcam. What do you think of the Theragun? I actually really like this question because I'm curious also. I do too. And we are bringing the Theragun into Tennis Warehouse. And I know my team in particular is in love with it. And so I'm yeah. curious to hear what you have to say. I guess these other, I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, per, uh, percussive. massagers. Percussive. Yes. Okay. Massagers for pre and post uh, workouts. And yeah, they're definitely all the rage. And this person's asking, is it an essential tool to staying healthy? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. I really like it. Yeah. Because they are becoming really popular. So popular. And, you know, all my clients love them. Okay. I love them. Yeah. I use them quite yeah. a bit. But all I have to say, I don't think they're essential for yeah. health. So I'll start by saying that I do use one. And I think it's mostly because it feels great. Not mm-hmm. that there's any great health benefit attached to it. Right. And, and I don't use one in my practice. Okay. I think touch is really important and that human connection is really important. Right. We actually have 10,000 nerve endings per square centimeter of skin. Okay. And some of those are actually specialized. Like in 2009, some Swedish researchers found that there's specialized sensors that respond to just gentle stroke of a certain speed. Yeah. So all that to say, we're we're finding that there's a lot more going on than we know when we get touched and receive massage. Yeah. So- I don't like to shortchange my clients when they come in to see me. So I don't use it in my professional setting, but I'll definitely use it at home. Yeah, it's <laughs> we love it. I'm not going to lie. We literally are just bringing it into Tennis Warehouse. And I know like everyone on my team is ordering one. <laughs> That's great. The yeah. biggest issue we have with it. So maybe someone from Theragun can fix this for us or maybe they've already sorted it out. But like, we're all curious. If you don't have someone to help you, how do you get your back? Like, do you just yeah. like lean against something? Can we like I mount it on know. the wall? Like, You have some vices over there to restring rackets. Yeah. So you could just kind of attach it to that. We'll figure yeah. something out. Yeah, we'll ask the mad scientist to create us something. But yeah, definitely um, a fun accessory and it's a good way to work out any soreness or even a muscle kink or something. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, pain relieving effect that it can have. Yeah. 
and I can explain it a little bit more if you want. Sure, yeah. yeah. So to explain why it might be good before or after tennis, yeah. uh, we have to kind of talk about proprioception okay. and what they call proprioceptive confusion. Mm-hmm. So proprioception is this kind of large sense that our body has, and it produces a lot of data. Okay. And it's kind of the awareness of our body and where it is in space and its movement. Yeah. So the nerves that generate that proprioception are actually embedded in our tissues, okay. the musculoskeletal system. And they send information about tension and pressure that's being applied and if it's quickly changing. Okay. So the brain uses that info to kind of figure out a lot of things. Okay. So if you move, shake, or kind of vibrate the body at random, like yeah. with the Theragun, yeah. the brain gets a bunch of kind of nonsensical proprioceptive data. And the nervous system is potentially overwhelmed okay. by this kind of random stimulus. So it gives up and stops resisting movement. Oh, interesting. And it can actually provide a, like a relaxation or like muscle loosening sensation. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the theories is that we're just deceiving the nervous system and using these. So it can have that like pain relieving effect. But again, it's not because we're necessarily changing structure of tissue. That's so interesting because you have that like sense of like a sigh of relief after almost. Oh, yeah. Relax. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. But I didn't realize that would that's potentially why. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in five to 10 years, my answer might change. (laughs) So. (laughs) Well, it's kind of like we were talking a little bit on our hydration episode, and he mentioned how sometimes stimulating the nervous system with pickle juice or vinegar is more of a mental stimulation than a muscle stimulation. So it's kind of the same thing. That's just crazy. Our brain is very powerful. Very strong. Very powerful. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. Next question. What can you do to help relieve sciatica pain? I've, I've mm. heard a lot of people suffering with sciatica. Yeah. So basically, I mean, I like to start conservative. Yeah. But we kind of have to understand what sciatica is. Right. So it is one flavor of a lumbar nerve root irritation. Okay. And typically you have symptoms down the leg, down the back of the leg, especially mm. like below the knee. Mm-hmm. And they tend to be nervy. So yeah. buzzy, electrical, okay. like yeah. tingly and yeah. burny sensations. And a lot of times I think that sciatica can be like misdiagnosed. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have to understand like exactly what's going on. So if it is true sciatica, mm-hmm. I do have some recommendations. Okay. One thing can be starting conservative is just taking a tennis ball mm-hmm. and looking for those kind of sore spots, especially in the buttock region around yeah. where the piriformis muscle is, mm-hmm. and which is kind of like right in the middle of the butt. Okay. Uh, Some people actually have more trouble with sciatica because the sciatic nerve travels through the fibers of the piriformis rather than under and around. So there's a a small portion of the population that might actually have more trouble with it if the piriformis is the issue. Right. So I like to tell people, you know, feel around for those sensitive spots, especially spots that kind of reproduce those symptoms. Yeah. Hold on to them for a little while Mm -hmm. and not too hard and not for too long. Again, we don't want to irritate the nerve. Yeah. But we do want to like provide that kind of relaxation effect. Okay. And then after that, it's all about movement. Okay. Moving is really good for nerves. They they love uh, kind of moving back and forth. It helps them rehydrate and heal. Okay. So if so, when you say movement yeah. like that, do you just want them to go on a run, go for a hike, go for a yeah, walk? Yeah, that's a good what question. Should they do? So I. I think that meaningful movement is really good. Like, for instance, uh, I've actually dealt with this before in the mm-hmm. past. And like a walk, my, my morning walks, I really value. Okay. And I think a lot of people can get scared from the symptoms and yeah. they feel like they should rest it and yeah. stop all activity. Definitely. I just kind of moderate my walk in the morning. So okay. I might be able to do 20 minutes instead of my hour. Okay. But it just gets things moving. Yeah. 
And, you know, if it doesn't clear up in three to six weeks, definitely get it checked out because okay. that's typically the time that you'll see sciatica clear up. Okay. And if it does last longer, again, it could be a little bit more of a sensitivity issue rather than something physically nice. going on. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Cool. Yeah. Anything else on that one? So I, I do see people come through my door with sciatica quite often. Yeah. And, you know, if the tennis ball at home isn't working that well, mm-hmm. You could you could try finding a massage practitioner okay. that could help. Yeah. Oftentimes I'll do a little active release technique yeah. uh, to the hip and the, especially the hamstring muscles, yeah. the back, and it could clear up the symptoms quite a bit. Usually I find within one to two sessions, okay. but oftentimes you do have those people where it's going to persist and then right. we need to look at other things. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Good, good answers. Um, Another question that I like because it's very trendy, they asked about assisted stretching. It seems to be gaining popularity. I've noticed that also. Is it something that can be done in lieu of getting a massage? It's a good question. Yeah. I would say we need to establish a goal for either a massage or stretching. Like what are we looking to accomplish? Okay. If it's just relaxation, both can do a pretty good job. Okay. But in terms of like some other goals I, I thought of for this may be like warm up yeah. before an event. A lot of people like stretching or massage for a warm up. Yeah. Preventing soreness. Okay. Injury prevention. Those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of studies on stretching. It's like one of the most like widely studied subjects. Yeah. And we find that stretching doesn't really help with any of those. Yeah. Necessarily. Exactly. But neither does massage. Okay. Now. <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, like preventing soreness, it can actually help a little bit just because of like the pain relieving effect Mm -hmm. both can have. Okay. So, you know, if your goal is to promote flexibility, I would go for the stretching. For sure. But, you know, if your goal is relaxation, I would just pick whichever one that you like best. Okay. Really, it comes down to like... And what's accessible too. What's accessible. Yeah. 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 What's more budget friendly. Yeah. Or... Uh, a really important aspect that I think a lot of people miss is you need to have a real connection with your therapist. Yeah. We call it a therapeutic alliance. Okay. So if you like someone that is stretching you out and maybe they're stretching out that piriformis muscle for you to relieve yeah. your sciatica, go with them. Yeah. Yeah. Or like yeah, if you have a great massage therapist that you love, yeah. try them. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say some of this can feel like a little awkward sometimes, especially when we're talking about the butt and yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, the hamstring. So definitely like figure out who you feel comfortable with. And if you don't feel comfortable, that's okay too, to like find someone else that might be better suited for you. I'm sure you don't, I mean, yeah. you, you don't always vibe with everyone, no. I'm sure. No, I so. and I have a referral base. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll send them somewhere else if okay. I mean, they're not comfortable yeah. or you know, whatever's going yeah. on. But so yeah. it's definitely like a more personal thing, too. Yeah. And then I kind of wanted to get back on a stretching question. I think, yeah, someone else did ask this. The difference between static and dynamic stretching And I know with tennis in the past, well, it always changes kind of like everything else. But everyone's now saying, don't even waste your time on static stretching before Mm -hmm. you play. I think a lot of uh, sports are now saying that. Only dynamic stretching. So do you have anything to say about that? Yeah. Again, and we're not like when we're stretching a muscle, it's not just a piece of meat that we're trying to lengthen out. Right. So dynamic stretching can be helpful Mm because I think it involves the brain a little bit more, to put it simply. Yeah. Static stretching... I mean, it's good if you want to increase kind of your range of motion. Mm -hmm. You you hold it for a while and eventually those kind of sensor receptors in your muscle and tendons are going to give up and allow you some more range. But yeah, if your goal is to warm up before uh, like a tennis match, for instance, 
they say the the best practice is just do like a lighter version of what you're going to do. Yeah. So like, for instance, if you're going to run, walk first. Right. Uh, So yeah, more dynamic, I think is probably better. Kind of like wake up the body, let it know what's happening. Okay, let's see. Next question. You guys generated some great questions for us. Here's one from Eddie Brock. I get tricep pain after a day of hitting a lot of kick serves. Otherwise, it feels fine and the pain goes away after a day or so. I went to a PT and they had me do a few exercises and sent me on my way, but it keeps coming back. What else can I do? So just so you know, I know Clay is not necessarily a tennis expert. <laughs> yeah. It was a kick serve where you put top spin on it. Yeah. So you're like kicking out. So normally, you know, I uh, explain to a lot of people that aren't as familiar with the mechanics of tennis, like a serve mm. is very similar to a pitching motion uh, sure. for baseball. But so if you're pitching, you're going forward on a kick serve, you're kind of pronating up and out. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Yes. So it is a little, it's less natural because it's kind of like forcing the shoulder out a little bit. I'm trying to show him <laughs> the motion. <laughs> She's doing a great job. And <laughs> I don't know if I'm doing a good job, but yeah, so it is a little bit different. I actually am going to chime in real quick just on the mechanics side. Make sure mechanics are correct because we see a lot of injuries in tennis when mechanics are incorrect and, you know, elbows, a lot of people tennis elbow because their Absolutely. mechanics are wrong. So first things first, make sure your mechanics correct. Second thing I'm going to jump in and say, make sure you're doing the exercises your PT gave you consistently. Absolutely. Because yeah. I know I'll come back and do the exercises for a week and then I stop doing them. And it then, typically takes a lot of repetitions. Okay. Like more so than there you go. Yeah. And then anything else that you have to add? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I really like your advice. I think especially consulting like a tennis coach who might yeah. be able to, you know, correct any sort of like mechanical, mechanical issue. stuff yeah, going sure. on. Uh, yeah. It's a really good idea. But in this case, it's really hard to say without looking at the person. Right. There are a number of things that I might ask, like where on the tricep is the pain? What's the quality of the pain, et cetera? Yeah. Uh, And I like to assess overall movement in these things. I know with the kick serve, it seems like you're doing a lot of extension and rotation of the spine. Yeah. I like to see the the thoracic spine contributing to that overall motion. Okay. I like to do a little bit of work around the shoulder blade, make sure all of that's contributing because, you know, there could be just an overload of stress on one particular area because maybe it's doing more work than other parts of the body. For sure. So I I do like to kind of look up and down the chain a little bit. Okay. But again, pain is really tricky and everyone's very individual. Yeah. So, you know, like what helps one person might not help another. Yeah. But uh, active release protecting practitioners, I think, are really good okay. for these sorts of things. Yeah, for sure. It just kind of decreases sensitivity, especially in an issue like that. So you could look on activerelease.com and okay. find a practitioner. Oh, cool. If you want to give that a try. And of course, there's a million other things that could help. Yeah. Uh, you know, acupuncture. I don't know a lot about it. Yeah, neither do I. I've had some people tell me they've had really great success. Same. Yeah, I've heard great things about acupuncture. Yeah. I'm scared of needles, so <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gone down that road yet, but I have heard amazing things also. So, so. again, it's it's a it's a journey and experimenting yeah. and More like experimenting trying and to find that practitioner out. that's going to help you. For sure. Yeah. So Chat Town asks, I usually use a couple of softballs to loosen my hamstrings and sometimes my quads. It hurts like hell. And Chat Town, I can, I can vibe with that. I, I feel you. Um, He basically says that he went on to get an MRI because there was a lot of pain. Mm. So he wanted to see what was going on. And his quads tighten for no reason, even when he's not playing. But the x-rays show that his hips and back look okay. And the softballs seem to be doing the job. I think he's just kind of asking how to help get any extra relief. 
and yeah. move forward from this pain? It's a good question. Yeah. And again, this is really individual. It totally is. Uh, sometimes I see uh, the most like hypermobile people mm-hmm. deal with the most amount of tension. Okay. So it might not be a physical limitation of like the quads or the hamstrings. Right. It could actually be just the sensation okay. of tension. Yeah. And that's oftentimes driven by just uh, too much tension too often. Okay. Brain senses that threat and will actually send those kind of sensations for us to protect us. Yeah. So my question for this person would be, you know, what is the rest of your day outside of the tennis match yeah. look like? Yeah. Uh, are there repetitive motions that you're doing? You know, certain postures at work that you're holding for a long time. Right. Personal anecdote: I used to deliver for a bakery. Okay. Do a lot of driving. Yeah. Oof. And being a tall guy, it's yeah. it's really not easy. Yeah. On the legs. <laughs> yeah. No. So I would have the worst quad tightness, and I wasn't even that active. Okay. But it was it was just that sort of like I'm doing this 10 plus hours a day yeah. sitting in the car that's yeah. driving this tightness. So, and again, there's a lot of factors, but I'd be interested to see like what the rest of this person's totally uh, day looks like. Yeah. It sounds like also some strength training might Absolutely. play in well here, too. Yeah. Variety yeah. of movements. Yeah. Uh, really good. And also building the resiliency exactly. of the tissue. Yeah. I love, uh, I think, as you said before, uh, kettlebell training. Yeah. So something like the kettlebell swing is yeah. really good because it drives recovery to the hamstrings. Mm-hmm. And it also might help with a more quad dominant person. Totally. So you're building strength of that posterior line and you're also helping it recover a little bit more. And it's a new movement. Yeah. And you're driving blood flow. Core, so you get your core, core engaged. Absolutely. Huge <laughs> core workout. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. That's awesome. Let's see. Next question. Cobain asks, I find deep tissue to be the only type of massage that helps with tennis and fitness recovery. Is that common or are there other types of massage that you would recommend? I agree, <laughs> but I think I'm I'm a little biased just because as a sports massage therapist, mm-hmm. I see people come in and regularly receive and feel benefit yeah. from the work. For sure. Especially that like deep tissue yeah. sort of work. And I, I mean, I like the deeper sensations a right. lot. So I find, you know, after a really strenuous athletic event, like I, a good deep tissue massage, there's not much else that beats it for me. Right. I can't really think of other modalities or massage techniques that I'd okay. necessarily recommend. Yeah. But something that this question made me think of was, uh, have you been to the float tanks yes, in town yet? I've been yeah, once. Yeah. yeah. It's not necessarily what this person might be looking oh for gosh, in the answer. Oh, gosh, but so relaxing. <laughs> Again, if relaxation is a skill, yeah. I love <laughs> floating in a sensory deprivation tank and just focusing in on breathing and relaxing. Yeah, it, which can be challenging. It I, really is. I had a challenge. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I don't know if, if this is a becoming a more popular thing across the country. This, Seems like it. Yeah, yeah, so it's just a massive tank in a saline solution. Yeah, pharmaceutical-grade Epsom salt is yeah. super buoyant, so you're basically floating on top. It's yeah. the same temperature as your body. Yeah. So it feels like you're floating in nothing. And but you can go lights out, lights out, sound no off sound. if you want to. Yeah, if you want it can to. Be a little scary. I yeah, I had to work my way into it, yeah. but I did it. And then yeah, you kind of just focus on your breathing. Yeah, I mean, if I need supplemental recovery and mm-hmm. I need a really good day of it, massage with a float tank. Yeah, and there's not really much that else sounds, that yeah, beats that it for perfect. me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like getting relaxed just thinking about <laughs> it. <laughs> yes, definitely. Let's see. I think we're coming to the end, but. 
What would you suggest we do before or after a match to help prevent injuries? What can you do if you have to play twice in one day? That's a good question. Yeah. Because a lot of time tennis players, when they train, they'll practice for a few hours at a time. But Mm -hmm. then when you go into a tournament, there's the chance that you might play in the morning, wait around for a few hours and play again. Yeah. And sometimes, depending on the weather, it could be warm during the day, cold at night. So there are a lot of factors that kind of go into that and can be strenuous for your body. So anything you think that would be good. Yeah, I mean, again, a solid warm up. Yeah, before for each sure. match, just to get the tissues moving. Yeah, uh, and something that looks like what you're about to do typically is the best warm up. Yeah, you might have a better advice <laughs> than I do well, for this. I mean, I also wanted to bring up. I don't know what we call it, but we've talked about the Theragun, and we've talked about kind of kettlebells releasing. But what is that plastic rod? Yeah, like the massage stick. Yeah, yeah. We we'll call it the about. massage yeah. stick, and it's got like the little pieces, and it's not the most comfortable feeling in the world, but it's definitely kind of nice to like roll yourself out after yeah. a match, maybe. Yeah, I mean, if you have like a sore area, like your yeah. knee is hurting, I find that rolling out the quads yeah. can be really helpful, just to kind of like decrease sure. that sensitization that we're feeling. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if we're doing it to warm up for like blood flow, mm-hmm. uh, something like just going for a walk is yeah. shown to have way more benefit for circulation and blood flow than just using like a, a stick okay. or a massage. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing I think that I've started to realize the older I get is the more important that my warm up is. Like even if I'm just going for a Friday morning practice or hit downstairs if I'm not warm if I haven't like warmed up my body to the point where like it's ready to go it's not a good practice session for me extra aches and pains yeah yeah like all of the above so for me I think yeah warming up is super important now what about cool down I'm guilty of not cooling down well do you think that it's something where a player should really spend a good amount of time like cooling down into a stretch or you know whatever Yeah, I mean, it might be a good idea just to kind of drop into some relaxation and just get the body back to some sort of like level state. Like take it there instead of going from like 100 to zero. Yes, instead of just stopping completely. (laughs) Right, right. That's what I do. (laughs) Uh, I I know I've had a lot of issues after an athletic event and having to get right back into my car and just sit and not actually like cool down. That can be really painful for me. So I I mean, this personal anecdote, but I, I do think that like, just cool a cool down period yeah. where you just sit down, maybe go for a walk first, yeah. lay down, roll out. Yeah, I, I prefer that. Awesome. Cool. And then I just wanted to wrap up and kind of talk about the importance of taking the time to rehab your body. And like, I am very guilty of just trying to power through an injury. And I'm very guilty of like, not enough days off and stuff like that. So maybe we can just chat real quick about the importance of just it's okay to take a day off and what an active recovery day could look like and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think that we, in general, especially, you know, athletes who are really into it can yeah. undervalue recovery. You know, it's not it's not a problem for everyone. Right. But I do think it's a really important thing. I know when, I, when I'm active and I'm having really active phases, I like to kind of vary my load. Okay. So, you know, I'll have a really strenuous day. Yeah. And the next day might just look like a lot more walking yeah. or like a different variety of movement. Uh-huh before I go back into the same exact thing. So recovery can look like a lot of things. I like active recovery especially. But yeah, if you do feel like you need that kind of extra supplemental work, there are other strategies like massage, for instance, um, float tanks. 
Float things like that. Taking time for yourself. Yoga. Yoga has been a big one for me too. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> just moving yeah. and kind of in a gentle way too, mm. I think is really valuable. Yeah. I think that's something and maybe it's just the whole getting older thing, but like giving yourself grace and like, it's okay not to be a hundred percent on every single day. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think we're body. meant to. Yeah. It's, it's okay to kind of drop into that like, yeah. you know, parasympathetic yeah. healing state from time to time and not just be buzzing around all day. Yeah. <laughs> Which is easier said than done some days. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything else that you want to add? Did I miss anything? <laughs> I probably did. I not that like... I can think of in this okay. moment. I was just really excited to be yeah, here. Thanks for having me. Of course. And if anyone is in San Luis Obispo, I highly recommend checking out Clay and his practice. He's done an amazing job of an awesome option for athletes and probably non-athletes too. I just am around athletes oh, all the time. Thank you. And we will add all of his information. Definitely go check out his website too. You've got some cool stuff. And I think you're an amazing follow on Instagram because you're always learning and you're sharing what you're learning on Instagram and stuff like that. So we'll add all of that. That, but you can plug your Instagram handle and your website as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, empowerslow.com. That's empowerslo.com. And then Instagram is empower massage therapy. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Yay. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. I do have a favor to ask. If you haven't already done so, please go ahead and leave us a review and let us know what you want to hear more or less of. Also, as I mentioned earlier, we are heading to Indian Wells very soon, and we're so excited to get out there. And we want to do some fun behind the scenes content, whether it's on the podcast or on our YouTube channel or on our website. So feel free to reach out with any ideas or questions you might have for us. You can email us at podcast at tennis-warehouse.com. And if you see anyone on the T-Dub crew, come say hi. We love connecting with you guys. We love talking all things tennis. So thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, happy hitting. Happy hitting.